0: Welcome to Shift. Today, we're continuing a special series dedicated to InVentures Canada. InVentures is live and in-person in Calgary from June 1st to 3rd bringing together startups, entrepreneurs, investors, and thought leaders who are redefining the future. We'll be highlighting each of the seven compelling content tracks to give you a sneak peek of what you can expect at InVentures. Forget the sound barrier, we're breaking the innovation barrier at InVentures 2022, and you're invited. My name is Katya and I'm your guest host for today, along with Thomas. On this episode, we're exploring the track Mission Critical Moonshots the 1960s race for the moon spurred an explosion of technologies for everyday life with a moonshot mindset motivating teams to achieve breakthroughs in fields from quantum computing to data diagnostics Rather than incremental innovation, we're looking at ambitious innovation objectives that aim for not a 10 percent gain, but 10 times the gain. Our guest today comes from Pegasus Imagery, an Alberta-based company that deploys drone technology to provide real-time, actionable data to decision makers. They support first-line responders in high-risk situations with unmanned drones using military-grade technologies. Founder Cole Rosentretter has set his sights on objectives like eradicating wildfires. Talk about a moonshot mindset.
1: So today on this special Shift for Inventures episode, we are joined by Pegasus Imagery's very own Cole Rosentretter. Cole is the founder and CEO of Pegasus. Prior to funding Pegasus, Cole served 15 years in the Canadian military as a paratrooper. Cole is also a graduate of Draper University, a NASA iTech semifinalist, and an EY Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. Thank you for joining us today, Cole. We're really happy that you're here. Yeah, thanks
2: cool. for taking the time this
1: morning.
0: Fantastic to have you with us. So can you tell us a little bit about Pegasus imagery and where your inspiration to start the company came from?
2: Absolutely. Um, it's probably the, the usual story of, a, of an entrepreneur. Um, you see a problem and then you try and solve it and it turns out it's a, a wider problem. Ours, uh, the inspiration for the company is really simple. Uh, I was 15 years in the infantry uh, prior to 2018 and launching the company. In that time, we had exposure to what military drones spent 25, 30 years being developed to do, which is provide people uh, in high-risk situations real-time critical information to make smarter decisions. There's a huge contrast between that and really what's available here on the home front when we look at natural disasters and specifically wildfire, because they're so um, dynamic and dangerous. The, the challenge is these military tools, they they haven't commercialized and they haven't come uh, to really help support here on the home front. And as a company, uh, we, see, we saw that this wasn't going to happen, that Boeing is not going to get into this kind of game. So uh, we launched the company in 2018 to bridge that capability gap around information and then the drones and unmanned aircraft and sensors to uh, to power them. That is the enabling technology. But the core our core mission is to find a way to dramatically improve and transform wildfire, specifically how we respond to it initially, and then getting ahead of that and going on the offense and really looking at, you know, in the next decade or so, how can we enable an equilibrium so we don't have wildfires anymore?
1: That's really interesting. And you kind of touched on it. I just wanted to follow up. Um, how has your background with the Canadian military, um, influenced your, I guess, drive to grow Pegasus as a
2: company? Well, I think besides having a clear understanding of what information decision makers need on the ground, like if you're in a firefight or you're fighting a wildfire, it's almost the exact same type of information people need. Trick is you have to get information clear, concise, and quickly to into the people, uh, who actually have to make those decisions and they happen at different levels. So besides an understanding of that, I think one of the best takeaways from the military is all the, all the soft, soft skills, really the attributes. And especially for entrepreneurship, it's in it, a lot of times it is like kind of being in the military. You're normally tired. You're, you can find yourself having a hard time relating to your friends because they don't really understand what you're doing. And, um, you know, it's, it's a big challenge, but very similar to the military. You know, we're, People coming out of the military are, are mission aligned. We are driven to find like a higher purpose. This is our higher calling uh, for the company. That,
1: and, and that makes sense just because I feel like with entrepreneurship, like you said, things go really hand in hand with when you're trying to accomplish a, a very big goal, whether you're in the military or doing this startup. Um, and I guess my next question would be... Um, you touched on wildfires, so with global warming causing increasingly more frequent climate disasters that before only happened maybe once in 100 years are now happening on a very regular basis, um, how does your tech help frontline responders stay safer and make better and smarter decisions?
2: Well, in short, we have to be able to connect end users, so people either on the front lines, like on the fire line, or people who are helping support them at like the operations center level better coordinate a limited number of resources um, by being more efficient with coordinating them, then we can actually get ahead of the curve um, on fires. Now, the the problem with this is you need information. You need actionable information to make those decisions, and you have to have it as quickly as possible to do that. uh, We selected using unmanned aircraft to be able to do that um, as a platform because of their flexibility. Now, a lot of what the company has developed, which is uh, fairly, fairly unique, is really around the sensing systems that can allow us to have an aircraft fly beyond visual line of sight and be able to uh, operate in the same airspace as manned aircraft. So we're solving uh, several major technology and almost regulatory challenges in order to be able to connect people on the front lines with that information here at home.
1: That's yeah, and, and that that makes a lot of sense with you know the work that you guys are doing and and you mentioned, I guess transferring and and collecting data, and how does data collection you know it's showing to be very crucial in evolving tech and how is Pegasus i guess innovative data collection and what you guys are doing with the data and how it's being used, i guess within the different fields that you work in whether it's military or like climate change um things like that?
2: well. So the the idea for us is, is really simple. Um, get people the information that they need exactly when they need it. That might be a really large, robust data set that has analytics applied to it. And maybe they need that in 48 hours or a week. Right. But for some situations where you need real-time information, satellites can't do this. Manned aircraft also can't operate in certain conditions like at nighttime, for example, right. or in low visibility. There has to be a bridge. now. This is the part where the company gets really interesting, I think, because like how we look at this, uh, we see this as an execution company. How do we execute on putting a drone over top of a problem and connecting people with their information that they need to do that, though? That's where a lot of this uh, moonshot technology kind of comes from. So the big challenge that holds everybody back right now, and I think what we've all had outside of the militaries, they've had, you know, we've all had 20 years to be underwhelmed by drones. And the reason why is regulatory. So, you look at this, this is aerospace is regulated, safety is everything. And the key challenge that it comes down to is really, it's actually really simple. If you don't have a pilot on board something, whether that's an air taxi or a drone, um, it's essentially an uncrewed aircraft. So, how can it make a safety decision um, when it's beyond the operator's line of sight? How can it detect and then avoid potential hazards while in flight? That could be birds, power lines, could be, most importantly, manned aircraft. So, how can you be safe? Um, we developed the, the very first thing we did was actually talk to our regulator here in Canada, Transport Canada. Um, from there, we we looked at solving the regulatory challenge, which is this is the great filter. Um, you have to get rid of to to anything, a plane or a drone, So developing system help detect the challenge. That is the that's the Rosetta that Stone for the company, really.
0: What would you like to see in terms of regulations and how this industry is going to be governed? Like in an ideal world, how would unmanned and manned aircraft interact with one another safely?
2: So this is this isn't like a, a Canadian challenge or an American challenge or a European challenge. It's a global challenge. Um, what we what we have right now is a very interesting next two years, and I say that because regulators are regulating. They are starting to write and create. That framework for what the new national airspace will look like, where you have, you know, by the end of this decade, there's a forecast just in North America to have five million drones flying in the same airspace wow. as, you know, unmanned aircraft uh, carrying people. So like the air taxis. Uh, then you have all the all the really interesting stuff, which is electric planes uh, flying people. Then you also have crazy stuff like reusable rockets uh, coming going up and coming back down more frequently. Like it is it's such a big challenge that uh last decade in 20 in the early 2010s uh the us faa actually tapped nasa to say this is this is a nasa challenge you put people on the moon back in the 60s <laughs> how can we solve what millions and millions of unmanned aircraft and autonomy will look like so uh, nasa is a is one of the leaders in this and to be fair it's an extremely complicated landscape. The trick for us as a company has been, while the engineering and the development might be incredibly complex on our side, we're developing an actual solution that solves an actual problem initially for the regulator, because like I said, it all comes down to safety. So how this will shape up is there's multiple different approaches to trying to do this. Um, What will likely happen is that there will be a couple early, early leaders In this field uh, about who will get approvals and who will be able to execute on that and as a company this has actually been one of our strongest points is that regulatory development piece
1: that's yeah that's that's good to hear for you guys as well because it seems like the work you guys are doing is really pushing you know what's going to happen and you you mentioned in the next two years and you also mentioned just before when we were chatting um that this kind of this industry this and like unmanned drones and, and whatnot is moving really fast. And why do you think that is like compared to the last day, decade, like you said? Obviously, there's regulations and whatnot, but what is what is this decade? Why, why are things moving so much faster right now?
2: Well, I'll try to frame it like this. The market and the commercial opportunity is driving regulatory development. Now, what the problem is... There's been no development on what this future would look like over the last several decades. Now regulators are in a position where they can't sacrifice safety. So how can they figure out what? How can they figure out how to set a benchmark for technology to a, to orient and then achieve uh, like the safety barrier? Um, to do that, this is where it gets really interesting. So with a lot of the regulatory development now here in Canada, most people wouldn't would see the FAA in the US as the biggest market, which it is. However, uh, we have a unique relationship with our regulator here with Transport Canada. Unlike in the United States, um, they're very focused on not letting a a safety system be automated. So having a drone make its own decisions, they want a remotely operated pilot. Canada, 20% of our country has cellular connection. That doesn't doesn't work. So autonomy, having an aircraft that can make its own safety decisions, series of pre-programmed ones while it's flying with, it. uh, that is, that's why transport Canada is forward leaning and we have a really good relationship with them that uh, we've had official partnerships since last year. Oh, so we actually great. work with our regulator. We give them real world testing data. So every time we're out flying, uh, we give them that data and they use that information to help actually, uh, move forward very quickly on regulatory development. Your, your point was why the next two years
1: Yeah. we
2: are here. We're we're within that two year window now. We've gone from decades down to years. Um, right. Probably in the next twenty four months, we're going to see in North America, uh, at least, like major regulatory uh, standards being enshrined, being set. That this is the hurdle. This is the barrier. If you clear it, you get approval, and then you'll see the dramatic explosion. So, in, as opposed to like an incremental kind of uh, gradual curve, this is going to be an exponential uh, launch. The next two years for not just hey i have a drone um you know go to best buy you get a drone yeah. you can know, only fly it in these conditions like that might be good enough for right now for a lot of things but the real commercial opportunity will be multi-hour long-range large-scale collection you know in a lot of ways it will look like millions of satellites uh flying around uh, around the world the difference is it'll be about 700 kilometers lower
1: and you kind of, you've, you've touched on safety and, and how important it is, especially when regulations are changing and adapting. I know you guys also have some technology that's not directly related to drones, but can you tell us about um, the Midas technology that Pegasus has, has innovated and, and what it means for safety?
2: Absolutely. So as a company, we were just trying to figure out a simple problem for ourselves. How can we fly all year round? Because here in Alberta, we have really two seasons, right? It's mm-hmm. either wildfire or it's winter. So during for aviation, when you're flying and based on a weather forecast, it's incredible. It's almost impossible to really predict when you're going to have icing conditions. So as you're flying, if icing builds up even one to two millimeters on a wing, that can be that can be 50 percent of the lift that that wing is able to generate. You you run into problems extremely fast. So aviation being around safety uh, without being able to detect it, it's a very much a take no risks approach to it. We were trying to figure out how we can just fly all year round uh, here in Alberta, even during icing conditions. We developed Midas, which is essentially a a highly flexible sensor film. So you can attach this to almost any surface. And what this allows us as a company to do is now we can safely fly because we'll be able to detect in real time when that moisture happens. And then as that icing starts actually building up from the very early stages, um, this is a crossover technology. And most recently, we've been highly successful uh, working with some of the world's biggest aerospace companies because they have this challenge. They just have it in a lot of other applications like commercial aircraft, for example. So we've tried to solve a problem for ourselves. turns out it's actually a really big problem. And uh, we're really excited to see uh, this type of technology. You know, In the next few years, ideally, we'll get this on everything.
0: Yeah, you just touched on this already, but as you were talking, I was thinking about how many times I've had to sit on a plane on the runway as it de-iced. So, do you see this having a much broader application in the upcoming years?
2: It's incredible. Um the more we've the more we've kind of had this aha moment after we try to solve a problem for ourselves, it turns out to your, exactly as you mentioned. So, aircraft like airlines get delayed all the time because they have to preemptively de-ice a plane before it takes off. Now, this one eliminate that, but what it does do is for aircraft that uh, are in a certain area, maybe they don't actually need to um, get deiced, or maybe they can be more efficient, because currently how this works is either it's a weather forecast, so 12 to 24 hours out, they say 40% chance of icing in this region, and that region could be half of Alberta, okay, well, preemptively, we're just going to go ahead and deice every plant, even even if the conditions aren't actually present. So there's an opportunity here to save millions of liters of deicing fluid and antifreeze every year uh, at airports. And then the really cool thing is, because Midas isn't just one sensor, it's a ser- it's a collection of sensors. What we're doing is we're essentially turning everything that's it's, it's attached to into a weather balloon. So now you have real real-time volumetric measurement of weather. So. Part of what midas does is yes it's a safety system but it also is essentially mapping the air now so the opportunity for that is to dramatically improve um you know the efficiency of of airlines safety etc and when we start looking at real dollars you know, if you make a one percent improvement in in airline fuel efficiency that's roughly 20 to 30 billion dollars a year
1: it's really interesting too because while we're talking about you know aviation and whatnot i'm sure that technology in the future no matter how close or far will be applied to other things you know you think of ski hills and ski conditions people go skiing and they don't know how cold it's going to be or what, what it's going to be but with that technology you know that will completely change the scope of people doing other things i'm sure too so that's really really interesting technology um i guess one of our last questions here is pegasus has like a, a very very diverse range of active tech whether it's ai data collection or monitor monitorization of pipelines and natural disasters um where where do you hope to see pegasus go next you've kind of touched on a few things you will be going into and with the changing regulation landscape but where do you hope to see pegasus in, in 10 years i guess well,
2: 10 years is a big moonshot it's a um, big moonshot yeah listen we we i left the military in 2018 a week later i was down in calgary to pitch competition at adventures three weeks later after that down in a program in San Francisco. Um, we, we have the kind of moonshot blood inside of us. So take this for, for a grain of salt, I guess. 10 years is a long ways out. But really? we built a company essentially to build a moonshot uh, based here in Alberta. We look at if we have the ability now to safely fly beyond visual line of sight, don't do that for five kilometers, do it for 500. And then if you can do that uh, and collect exponentially higher resolution data, faster, cheaper than what's currently out there, that's a pretty compelling opportunity. Now it comes down to having drones that can autonomously fly themselves out, collect that data, and now you don't have you know, one or two people flying a drone. You have 20 drones out that day from a regional hub. And it's a The moonshot for us is looking at on-demand data collection. We would like to see, you know, in the next 10 years, if you have a regional hub, uh, a Pegasus regional hub in your area, you can go online on, onto an app, order your data collection, and watch as your data gets collected and delivered to you in almost real time. The idea here is to dramatically connect uh, people and users with the information that they need. All of this to be said, our core mission, we see a way forward to essentially eliminate wildfire in the next 10 years. And that is entirely going to have to be intelligence driven. So wherever we kind of end up as a company, that's our touch point. That's our, our North Star. That's what guides a lot of the technology development and our roadmap.
1: Awesome. That's, it sounds very promising for the future as well, just by the means of how quickly you guys have grown and, and with the technology you've created. Um, Yeah, I, th- I think that's just about all the questions we have, Katya, unless you have something else you'd like to ask Cole.
0: Yeah, I'd like to throw one more in there just before we go. So as we were talking about before this interview even started, a lot of people still think that drones are something out of science fiction that they don't aren't going to see in their everyday lives. What do you think is going to um, what do you think it's going to take to change that sort of public perception um, with the work that you and other companies are doing to prove otherwise?
2: Trust. It, this is going to be the number one factor. Uh, it will be building a level of trust that the regulators will prove and then building the public trust as well. Um, and a lot of times, uh, people can look at drones and see either something that they would buy their grandson at Best Buy um, <laughs> or something that's used you know, in a military application overseas Uh, what's really going to be the biggest use case is solving major problems at scale drones are going to be a highly scalable solution to do that so whether that's probably not anytime soon delivering you a new pair of you know nikes you know by by commercial last mile delivery but it probably could be uh flying 50 pounds of equipment out to an oil field services company so that that well pump can get back up or it's a critical part of a wind turbine in southern Alberta. um, You know, delivering uh, COVID uh, or other medications to remote and isolated communities or even simply being an air bridge. You know, we look at what happened last year on the West Coast here in Canada with devastating wildfires and then absolutely crushing flooding that followed immediately afterwards late last year. There's a huge need to be able to have a logistics system that can rapidly deploy. And it doesn't have to be thousands of pounds at a time. If you have the right technology, you can do it cheaper, faster, and maybe it's moving 50 or 100 pounds at a time. Um, I think I think that's the part where people are going to get buy-in. Um, with wildfire, it's a, very, it's a very established industry. For example, um, change is going to be a hard thing in a lot of cases. Uh, we're very much still fighting fires like it's the 1950s. But thousands of people out there in bulldozers, somebody in a plane looking out the window with a pair of binoculars and a radio. We have to completely change um, both culture and as well that level of trust. They, they're the they're the they're the end user. They have to learn how to trust the system. And part of what we're doing uh, through this this spring, uh, in, over the next several years, here with the government of Alberta on a major wildfire project, we hope will help build the trust and really show that Alberta innovation. Uh, like us and others, you don't have to be in Silicon Valley to do this. You have to be exactly where you need to be. And for us, Alberta is that exact right spot to help kind of launch the new aerospace sector.
1: Right on. That That is a brilliant way, I think, to end this episode. Thank you so much uh, for speaking with us today, Cole. We
2: really appreciate it. No, thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you guys in June.
0: Thank you for tuning in. This has been the special Mission Critical Moonshot themed episode of Shift. Disappointed that this episode has come to an end? Eager to hear more? You're going to want to be at InVentures, where you can hear about mission-critical moonshots and how the impossible is being made possible in the grey areas between audacious technology and pure science fiction. Don't wait. Get your ticket to the future at InVenturesCanada.com. We'll be back next week with another behind-the-scenes preview of what's waiting for you at InVentures 2022.